0: Welcome to Pet Will Radio, a unique show about amazing animals and inspirational people. With your host, author, animal advocate, and attorney, Peggy Hoyt.
1: Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt & Bryan, MyPetWill.com, and PetFriendly.love. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. It's my pleasure to be with you today. And today, I am very excited to introduce to you our very special guest. Her name is Kate McFall. She's the Humane Society of the United States State Director of Florida. That's a that's a mouthful, isn't it, Kate? Welcome. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. I'm excited to
0: be here today.
1: Well, I'm excited to have you and I, I wanna tell our listeners a little bit about um the couple of times that we've actually run into each other recently. Um The first was uh, two weeks ago when you were here in Florida, in the Orlando area. You live in Florida, of course. But you were in the Orlando area doing a kickoff for a very important event that's happening in November in Florida. Will you tell us
0: what that very important event is? Oh, sure. Sure. Wow. Yes. Amendment 13 is... Really, uh, we are at a, a real historic uh, time in, in life here in Florida for, for animals in Florida, certainly for dogs. And I know most people are big dog lovers. Amendment 13 is a measure that will be on the ballot here in November, although we have quite a bit of early voting um, in Florida. So in I like to say in the fall, but on the ballot this fall. For Floridians will hopefully vote yes on 13. And Amendment 13 will phase out dog racing in the state of Florida. It's got a 26-month phase out. And at the end of that, ultimately prohibiting it. But it's a, a really neat measure that's been a decade plus coming in that we've worked to protect greyhounds. We worked to pass a decoupling measure, which would just take away that requirement that mandate that the tracks must have the dog racing we've been unsuccessful again we've been working on this a decade and through the constitution revision commission this measure is on the ballot so now voters get to have a voice and dog lovers get to say yes on 13 to help the greyhounds to get them out of harm's way and into loving (laughs) homes. That is going to be an incredible opportunity for
1: Florida residents and um I think one of the important things to note is that Florida is one of the few states left in the United mm-hmm. States that still has this cruel form of dog racing.
0: Right. It's it's actually hard to believe we were the first state to legalize it in 1931. And truthfully, that's where it belongs in 1931. There are only six states that still have greyhound racing, but Florida has two-thirds of the tracks. We have 12 out of the 18 remaining tracks are right here in Florida, so really we're the hub. And we know that there's about 8,000 dogs currently in Florida tracks. They rotate in, and and then, you know, many find homes. Um, Some, unfortunately, do not, but many do. But the, the constant rotation is really, most people don't know. Most people don't go to dog tracks uh, or bet on the dogs. It's really a thing of yesteryear. But some people will say, you know, a grandparent or a parent used to go. But it's not something young people or any age people really do anymore. It's really an antiquated practice that the only reason it's still happening in Florida is that there's a law. They're required by law, the tracks, in order to operate their profitable other kinds of gaming, they must race the dogs, even if no one is out there watching. So we know dogs are being harmed, dogs are being injured, and a dog dies on a Florida track every three days. So that's that's no way to treat a dog. And we know that Floridians love dogs. So this seems like a no-brainer, right? It's you know seems like it. Um, Absolutely. A real, it. Absolutely. It does. It really it does. It does. Um, but we know that uh, we need to get the message out to voters to make it all the way down to number 13 and vote yes on 13 because there are... 12 other questions, 12 other amendments. So we have our work cut out for us, but we know once people realize this is a measure that will save dogs, we know that they'll vote yes on 13. So it's occurring to me, Kate, that if a
1: dog died every three days in a hot car in Florida, people would be
0: outraged. That's right. Wow, that's an interesting point. Yes, they would be outraged. Absolutely. And this is happening on tracks that, and people don't know, it's not broadcast. It's just part of the industry. And that's really our argument is that the industry is set up. There are very little money, almost no money for veterinary care. It's just cutting corners, cutting corners because it's been on on the decline in terms of profitability for so many, so many years. So the, there is no money for for to help them, and it's the dogs are dying they're they're being injured. We don't have injury reporting here in the state of Florida, although we fought for it for many years in the legislature. The industry fought us they didn't they don't want people to know how many dogs are being injured um, injured, so it would have been a real measure of transparency, but they they did fight us on that, so we don 't know how many are being injured, but we know that dogs are dying every three days. those are on the track, some are taken off site to be euthanized. Those we don't know because their requirement is to report those who die on the track. So we have some idea of the deaths, but any is too many. These gentle, amazing, sweet dogs that just happen to be fast, but they're quite lazy. They love to sit around and and live on the couch and just be like any other dog. They just happen to have long legs, but they are remarkably gentle and sweet and wonderful with children. They're really amazing, amazing pets. Well, and they have terrific soulful eyes, too. Mm Mm-hmm. They definitely do. And I, I love all animals. I love cats too. And I sometimes say they're big cats and some people who don't like cats as much don't love that analogy. But I only say that because they're so clean and their hair is so short and they, they're not, I love bulldogs too. And I have a couple that drool, but they don't drool or anything. They're very clean and meticulous and just like to hang out and be with their, be with their people. And they're wonderful in packs too.
1: Now I think it's funny that you say that even though they're fast, they're they're like couch potatoes, and I have heard that mm-hmm. about them before. That um, that they really are not that um,
0: energetic. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. I mean, all dogs, you know, need some healthy exercise and like to go on walks and play in the backyard with their friends, but that's it. <laughs> they're really quite lazy they have their beds and i've had i fostered greyhounds for so many years uh, from a track that no longer exists up in north florida but i brought them in they were constantly you know getting them adopted and then pulling another one and they just had one couch that wasn't too too high but big enough for them to stretch out and that was it that's where they love to hang out and look out look out the window i mean they're quite quite chill dogs and they're just wonderful little companion little big companions Gentle giants, as we say. Absolutely. Um,
1: That picture reminds me of going over to my sister's house and not even being able to find a seat on her couch because of her five dogs, Um, (laughs) including beagles and Labradors and, you know, dogs that you think are pretty energetic and should be out doing something um, exciting. And and yet they're just perfectly happy to lay on the couch and snore.
0: Right. And snore. That's so funny. And they like most dogs, want to be with their humans. That's where they want to be. And um, so it, it's sad that the greyhounds in this day and age, in this day and age, it's so antiquated, but they are, are made to run around a track. Many injure their, their leg um, on the, the first turn, uh, but some hit the rail, some collide, some have cardiac arrests. all sorts of, of uh, not all of them, many of them get adopted, but the fact is they're, they're put at risk and, and it's too many and no one is really watching it. The only reason this exists is it's propped up by the state. And this measure really allows people who have been speaking out for forever, I mean, for you know, 15, 20, 30 years about the cruelty that, that goes along with the industry. So this gives the people of Florida an opportunity to say no more. Let's let's phase this out. Let, let's get it gone. This is 2018. We are better than this. We can take better care of our dogs.
1: I couldn't agree more. And it's funny. There's a couple of things I want to touch on. One is that um, you said that they like to be with their people, like any dog, of course. Um, And yet um, racing dogs really don't spend any time with people. They spend 22 to 23 hours a day in a crate.
0: They do. You're right. And confinement is just, that's one of the most heartbreaking uh, aspects of this. They are tunneled in their crates or cages up to 20, 20, 23 hours a day. It's a long time. They're very social with other dogs. They like to be with other dogs because their, their kennels, their cages are stacked in rows like a warehouse. And if you look in to, which I have in, in the kennel buildings, I mean, they're just one on top of the other. And so in that regard that they're happy being with other dogs, but they don't have a couch. They don't have one human. They don't have that loving bond with you know, in a home where where dogs need to be and should be. So they are confined and, and, you know, some will say, well, they love to race. Well, that's even sadder that uh, more sad that they're, they're confined in such so so many hours a day that they need to be, you know, out and free and without their muggle on and not at risk of of injury um, and death and with a family who loves them.
1: Yeah. So they really live in prison and then they kind of get to go out in the, uh, in the yard for, you know, a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And even the yard isn't all that big. Um, They don't really get an opportunity to stretch their legs and run around and play. Right.
0: Right. It's very limited. It's very limited. And there's a variation from track to track, but they don't, they don't have that, that freedom and they don't have that home and that, you know, human that they are close with. Like our dogs are like all dogs. Um, would love to love to have in their, in their life and to be loved, so it 's just again, we can, do, we can do better, and it really it was you know a thing of, of years years ago it was the thing you know there was movies filmed there and all that, but we look back and there were many industries that were popular and we, we look back and think, well, what were people thinking back then um, and we 've come so far we as a society, and this is just one other example that we can do better, and this really does belong from you know that many years ago and people just don't know these days so that's really part of our mission is just to get the word out about the confinement the extreme confinement the injuries and the deaths and that yes on 13 to help dogs phase this out and uh bring this you know back up to today's world and get these guys out of the cages on the couches into loving loving homes
1: i like that as a motto out of the cage and onto the couch
0: Mm -hmm, That's
1: right. So um, you mentioned that there's 8,000 dogs involved in this industry. Um, I'm a little curious whether you know kind of what the life cycle of a greyhound looks like. You know, from the time they're born, how early do they start racing and how old are they when they're quote
0: unquote retired? Well, there's not an exact number for that. They are trained just very young, um, you know, six months or so. And they their racing careers are actually only on average about 18 months long, some longer, of course. Um, but the interesting piece is that they don't run, they don't race very long. And the track in North Florida where I used to pull dogs from that um, was a low-end track. So they'd start, you know, at maybe a Palm Beach or a Derby Lane, and then go to different uh, level tracks. If they weren't winning, they would move down the line. But there's only so much line. And so it really just depends on, on if they're winning. I mean, it's an industry that if they're winning, they're producing and they're making money. And if they're not, then they are discarded. And, and many do get adopted, thankfully, but, uh, but not all. And, uh, and again, some are injured and, and many other things. And the other, the other aspect of this is just that uh, the, the steroids, you know, we've tried to pass a bill to um, prohibit the use of anabolic steroids. The female dogs are given anabolic steroids, which is like the kind that weightlifters use, um, you know, traditionally that is not healthy and not good for you. And, and human athletes will be, you know, uh, you know banned from, from their, their sport. I mean, it's illegal. Um, but they're given anabolic steroids every two weeks to prevent them from going into heat so that they don't lose race days. It's it's again it's an industry and it's there to make money. So if a dog is out sitting out because she's in heat, they're losing money. So they give them anabolic steroids to keep them in the game, so to speak. That's just one other example of the uh, of just the day to day practices that are business as usual for the industry that are so out of touch with today's values, with how the general public and dog lovers especially wish for these dogs to be treated. Uh, but they. But the, the average life really does, um, does vary. And so they'll, you know, if you find a five year old is rare, it's usually uh, three or four. Uh, just depends if they're winning or if they got injured. And many of the females will then go on to the farms to, to be bred. So that's, um, that's where many, you know, the males, you know, have different, perhaps they race longer, but uh, whatever their, their length of racing is, then they go on for adoption. Uh, but many of the females are used. Uh, for breeding yeah on the farms
1: well i personally have never been to a greyhound track so i I used to live in daytona beach and there was one there and i i don't believe it's been there for a long time now but um i have never actually been to a greyhound track um i can't imagine even wanting to watch a dog run a race um at least not that type of race um I, it. Right. It just, it stuns me. And so I think you're right. I think as um, as a dog loving world, it's it's important for people who might be listening who don't live in Florida to also talk this up because the more um, groundswell that we get with people talking about this on social media, um, sharing the video. And I, I just want to say that there's a terrific video out there. It's pretty short, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but mm-hmm. if you go to protectdogs.org, You can find the video there, or you can find the video on the Humane Society of the United States Facebook page, Um, and you can share that with your friends, and um, I think I remember you saying, Kate, that um, we'd love for people to donate $13 and find 13 other people who could donate $13.
0: Right, right. That's kind of our catchy, uh, because we're Amendment 13, and so sure, sure, this is a, a neat campaign, and we're we're looking to buy um, airtime, commercial time, because we know it's going to be a lot going on in, in uh, the fall in Florida with uh, a lot of uh, races and campaigns and getting commercial time is, is important. And it's uh, so we know that, yes, a $13 donation and get 13 friends. And certainly if somebody's out of state, to share this with, um, with Florida friends who will be voting in Florida and you know make sure they're registered to vote and get out to vote, whether you vote early or absentee makes no difference but it's, it's yes on 13 and that is um and the video is great it's called every three days and you can also find it on youtube but oh, we, okay. I think it's yeah it is there too um and it's it's terrific it's it's very very it's not too graphic but yet gets the message out about uh confinement about injuries and and sometimes death and really helps people understand that this is a humane issue because again people are so out of touch with this industry like you said you've never been to a race. Most people have not. So if it's out of, out of sight, out of mind, people aren't thinking about this. And we, we know that being last on the ballot is, um, is a little bit of a challenge. But again, once people know, oh, yeah, this is the one about dogs. Uh, yes, on this one to help dogs. We know they'll go down to 13. And it's very clearly written. It's short. So those are some beautiful things. But we just have to, to get that word out. And, uh, and the video is a great way to do it.
1: Well, and I think the other thing that voters are going to find interesting is that it's not mixed in with a lot of other issues um, so that people really have to search for it. It's a standalone issue. And um, I think that's a a pretty unique aspect of this for people who are not aware. And I didn't even know this until recently. I didn't realize that the uh, Constitutional Revision Commission um, that put this on the ballot only meets every 20 years. Mm hmm. Right. that that's incredible yeah that is it really is incredible. incredible so for people that might say well this really isn't a constitutional issue the reality is that the constitutional revision commission was created to address situations like this that are not addressed by the legislature and give the voters an opportunity to have their voices heard on important topics and um Uh, Voters may Mm -hmm. remember a few years ago that there was another constitutional amendment related to um, pigs and gestation crates, and um, it was another humane issue, and it passed and um although we want to mm-hmm. believe wholeheartedly and i do believe wholeheartedly that this is going to pass with flying colors um we don't want to get complacent and just say oh well somebody else will definitely vote this on yes so yes on this so i don't really need to talk about it we want everybody to talk about it
0: we do we do and it's so easy to talk about and that people are fascinated. What is that? Does that still really happen? Is that still a thing? And then, you know, every three days, I mean, people are shocked. The the bullet points, the talking points are really, are really um, interesting topics of conversation. And this is a way you can help dogs. And everybody is interested in helping dogs. Super, you know, hardcore dog lovers, like, like we are for sure, but others who may be, just regular people and, and care about animals. They also are horrified once they learn what's really going on and will be motivated. Um, and you mentioned the CRC, the Constitution Revision Commission. It is fascinating. And um, there's a, one or two states out west that have something significantly smaller and, and more limited, but no other state has a CRC like Florida. Of course, Florida is unique in so many ways, but every 20 years, it's truly fascinating. And this body of, of individuals, of leaders, 37 of them, So there were over 103 proposals and 24 uh, made it uh, less than 1%. So the popularity of this issue in in treating dogs humanely is huge. And we know, you know, as I, I said, we've been working on this in the legislature for so many years and the standalone decoupling bill almost passed in 2011, but didn't. But when Senator Richter came in and, um, And started the gaming committees where all gaming bills went to that specific committee so it's in one giant package that's when we kept getting hijacked by the industry lobbyists and our dog issue which was just the dogs we didn't care about other gaming issues we kept getting hijacked and and so we, we couldn't get it passed but when they did their um their public meetings around the state the number and and i i'll never forget senator richter talking about this um the number one item that got the most comments, with over a thousand, I believe it was a thousand one hundred and, and some change, was greyhound racing, dog protecting the dogs, and greyhound protection. And the next most popular topic was less than a hundred, with something about economic, uh, economic, something economic. But think about that: eleven 1, hundred to less than hundred. The number one topic, so clearly. The public is, is concerned, uh, as they should be, about this. So that was an eye-opener for so many lawmakers. And that, that number, we talked about that for a long time. That was a real uh, turning point, so to speak. But again, because of the larger gaming package, we we never got it across the finish line, which is why this is so exciting. And And our champion, Senator Tom Lee really was there for all of that. And, and it's very knowledgeable Been in the legislature uh, previously and then back again this time. And he knew that this is an issue um, that should go to the voters and let the people, let the people decide. So we're, we're so grateful uh, to him for his great support. And, and here we are. <laughs>
1: that is that is just very exciting and um you know from seeing me uh, a week or so ago that um i'm on board for that and i've already gone out and got my t-shirt and i'm wearing a bracelet and i can't Mm -hmm. wait for the yard signs and every everything else that we can um talk about with regard to um the phase out and ultimate ban of greyhound racing here in florida um let's talk about a couple of other things and um I I think most of my listeners know that um, my dad was the president of the Humane Society of the United States um, from the time I was 10 until the time I was mm, considerably older. He was there for 27 years, so I guess I was 37 um, at the time that uh, he finally retired. And there are so many important issues. And so, Kate, tell us a little bit about your background with HSUS and um, animal welfare.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I was a volunteer with the DHSUS before coming on board as a staff member. I've been a volunteer locally with my local shelter for almost 20 years and love that and, and continue to be a shelter volunteer. But prior to, um, so I was a volunteer with HSUS, and I've been in my position as state director for over six years. And there are so many issues. I learned something literally every day. And that is why I love the u s that I'll be on a call and speaking with someone from another department or another state. And I literally learn something every day. There's a lot of experts and uh, campaign folks who work on, you know, equine issues or farm animal protection, wildlife, which is so important in Florida. And I, you know, we pick up from them and game the puppy mill uh, campaign folks are really knowledgeable and very active. So there's different, the different departments are, uh, it's really a wealth of knowledge, but I, I enjoy that. And I do love my job. Florida's a big state. So I spend a lot of time on the road, um, although, you know, I live in Tallahassee, so it's not totally convenient to all parts of Florida, uh, convenient if you're going to the Panhandle, but uh, to get down to South Florida, of course, there's, uh, I do spend a lot of time on the road, but in doing that, I, I stop a lot and I visit my shelter friends and uh, and wildlife groups and I, I do enjoy that, but there's a lot, there's a lot of issues in Florida. So um, my background has always been all animals, not just dogs, cats or horses, but all animals, um, the turtle, you know, crossing the street, uh, raccoons, really, truly all. And that is why when I came on board as a staff member, everybody I knew said, oh, well, that's perfect for you. That's perfect. And it is And that I, I believe strongly in helping all animals. And that's uh, I'm so proud of that um, about, you know, the US. And I did not have the honor of meeting your father, but I've heard incredible, incredible things about him. So, um, that, that's really a neat legacy uh, for you. Well,
1: thanks for saying that, Kate. And uh, I just want to remind people that you're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Petwheel Radio, brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt & Bryan, MyPetWheel.com, and PetFriendly.love. We're talking today with our special guest, Kate McFall. She's the Humane Society of the United States State Director for the State of Florida. And uh, we were talking about greyhound racing and a an amendment that's going to be on the ballot in November. So we're going to vote yes on Amendment 13 to uh, phase out and ban greyhound racing in Florida forever. Um, can't wait for that to happen. Um, Kate, you mentioned you love all animals, and, and one of the things that... Um, Florida, also, we need to talk about a couple little things. Um, you mentioned tortoises crossing the road. I saw something on Facebook the other day about um, people who are stopping to pick up a tortoise and move it off the road. Of course, you want to put it in the direction it was going so mm-hmm. it doesn't um, mm-hmm. turn around and try to go back. Um, but right. I had to laugh because the other day, right before I saw you at the Pet Alliance of Greater Orlando for your presentation, there was a very large snapping turtle crossing the road. And uh, so I stopped to encourage him to go along. But you can't really Mm -hmm. pick up a snapping turtle um, because they have really like long necks and they can turn around and bite you. Um, so I was just kind of encouraging him to go along and I noticed in the background, there was a sign that said, uh, speed limit, 10 miles an hour and slow duck crossing. Um, and yet here's this turtle and it (laughs) just struck me as funny. And honestly, the ducks actually came out to help me move him along. Oh, good. Uh, Yeah. They were very interested in, uh, why he was taking so much time to get across the road. Um, be careful, folks. Though, if you do stop your car to jump out into traffic, like I have been known to do, um, make sure you don't get run over by a car just trying to help a turtle. Um, that would not be a good thing either.
0: Right. Right. So, um, on our tour, we uh, had a great meeting at Flagler Humane Society in Palm Coast, and right after the meeting, we were uh, speaking with our good friend um, Amy, the director, and we wrapped up the meeting and this woman comes flying back into the driveway uh, of the shelter and she had been at our meeting and was leaving to go home. And she found um, a gopher tourist who had been hit by a car and he, I, we think that he uh, survived. So Amy took him to the local vet and she said, yep, they, they do. His shell was cracked, but not real badly. So that was, so I want to applaud that lady for noticing and grabbing him and, and doing the right thing and getting him to, to the vet. But, um, but you're right about you know putting them the way they're going and um and also not to tilt them back so that they don't urinate because they um you know obviously can get dehydrated so that's another that's another thing and decrease the stress as little stress as possible um and those darn curbs right they uh oh yeah they're yeah that's uh that can be heartbreaking but if people just take a second or at least a- avoid hitting them if, and then the next person, um, you know, can, can get out if that, if that's not their thing. I, it's my thing and your thing, of course. And many people do so many people do safely to help them across, but, um, but just to be mindful of it, I think we'd go a long way, just drivers in general.
1: I think so too. So, um, turtles are an issue in Florida, turtles, tortoises, um, hot cars. Another big issue in Florida, yeah. and uh, it's the beginning of our very, very hot season, and we know that a car can heat up to tremendous um, temperatures in a very, very short time, and it feels like almost every day on the news, we hear something about either a dog in a car or a baby in a car. I think this morning yeah. on the Orlando news, there was a baby left in a car for 12 hours. Um, oh. Hard to believe. Wow. Um, hard to believe, yeah. Yeah. But I was even thinking the other day, um, yesterday, I was unloading my car with a lot of stuff. I had all the doors open. My dogs were out running around and, um, my dachshund, she loves to jump in a car and sure enough, she was in my car. And had I not noticed when I went to close up my car, she might've still been in there and, um, and I might not have noticed Uh her for five or 10 minutes. So I think we have to be very vigilant, um, when we're in and around our vehicles in this hot weather to make sure that, um, we know where our pets are at all times.
0: Right. That's so true. And, you know, I, we steal this saying from, from our friends in law enforcement. If you see something, say something. Don't just think, oh, well, they'll come right back. I'm sure they're just, you know, running in for one second. Stand there. Make sure the animal that's in the hot car is okay. You know, call our law enforcement, whatever the appropriate situation is. But sometimes, you know, people just wash their hands of it. That's, again, from way back when. Um, today, if you see something, say something. A friend of mine just um was called at a property that he was working on and someone had abandoned a dog in a garage here in Tallahassee. It's hot. This was last week and uh, no utilities. Um, and so that's not as not as hot as a hot car, but pretty darn hot and he survived, thankfully. But just uh, if not for the person that heard him barking, you know, called the appropriate, you know, got got help, then who knows what have happened, what would have happened. But really if you see something or hear something You know, say something because their animals are everywhere, whether it's wildlife or companion animals, they they need us. They need people to be on the lookout and and to do the right thing. And wouldn't it be great if more people did that? And then, you know, many times they were okay and not needed. That would be a much better outcome than the other way around. So.
1: And if you can't get to law enforcement and you're very, very, very concerned, we actually do have a law in Florida that makes it legal to break into a locked vehicle to rescue pets or vulnerable people who are believed to be in imminent danger of suffocation or Mm -hmm. other harm. So we don't want to go around breaking people's car windows, but, um, if there's a child, a elderly person or somebody who's vulnerable, including our most Mm -hmm. precious pets, um, we will not go to jail if we
0: have to help them right if we call the authorities and stick around right um and then uh, that's right that's important so that uh, right, and they can you know help and make sure that the animal or or the person like you said is is okay that's uh Senator Danny Young championed that um that bill a few years ago, and that was that was a that was a very good one, very progressive so the big thumbs up for Florida. We have, we have some work to do in other areas, but that was a, that was a fantastic, uh, law that, a bill that passed into law.
1: I agree. And, um, there are a couple of things to point out. Um, as you mentioned, um, number one, you have to check to make sure the vehicle is actually locked. Don't break the door. I mean, don't break the window if you oh. can just open the door. Um, Second, have a reasonable belief based upon the circumstances that entering into the vehicle is absolutely necessary because that person or animal is in imminent danger of suffering harm. You do have to call 911 or law enforcement before or immediately after you break into that vehicle. You can only use the necessary amount of force to break in, like you don't get to break all the windows. um, And... You should be remaining with the person, the child, or the animal until the first responders arrive on the scene. Um, so I think that's just important to um, point out. Um, but people and animals can die of heat stroke um, or have brain damage in less than 15 minutes after being
0: trapped in a car. Mm, that's scary, and it's it's just so hot here. And people, you know, about a thousand people move to Florida a day. And uh, people from up north may not realize that if they're if they're new here, even if they aren't that new, people don't realize. And dogs don't sweat; they just don't sweat. And so, if you and I were in a hot car, we'd be sweating; it would be uncomfortable. But that's a cooling mechanism that our bodies have. Dogs don't, and they really—it's like wearing fur coat. And I, you know, I suggest that to people sometimes, delicately, you know, uh, to put on a big warm coat and, and. sit in the car. It's, it's horrible. So I think that's another thing people need to need to keep in mind that it's, you know, they don't have the ability to sweat like humans do. Um, and it's a real, real safety issue, huge safety issue. Absolutely.
1: Um, so that's, that's another thing to be really aware of. Um, another issue in Florida that, um, we'll probably continue to hear a lot more about is the black bears. What can you tell us about that, Kate?
0: Oh, yes. Oh wow! Yes, we worked so hard on this issue. This is a top priority for the HSUS and for really animal advocates all over uh, the bear hunt. Um, we we collectively, uh, the HSUS, with so many other groups, and honestly, with a lot of uh, just regular advocates, people you know, all parts of the state, South Florida, North Florida, uh, did get it. You know, after that horrible hunt in 2015, where 300 bears, a little over 300 bears, were killed in like a two-day span that was the first bear hunt in 22 years it was heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking uh that it is then postponed and so we're going to continue to fight for the protection of black bears and really it's a trash issue the conflicts that people may hear about hopefully not are just a, con- a really just a trash issue it's large-scale trash maintenance and that just means you know bear proof cans being responsible with your trash because bears like other wildlife they they can smell it two mile away they'll smell it and it will take them a long time to then uh, move on. So once they're used to it, that's a real problem. And a bear is, that's, then, then it becomes a real safety risk. If they're used to coming and, and eating out of the trash can, you know, somebody's walking by, a human or with a dog, then then you've got a problem. But it's really, it's the fault of the humans. And that's essentially with our trash cans that are not um, bear proof. It's like a buffet, right? So you you have these neighborhoods that are, backing right up to the woods to bear habitat, and they have a buffet of food. And so well, why not? Of course, they, they come in. And that's where the bear-proof cans are securing your trash in the garage until just before the trash comes. There's many, many ways to do that. But the most uh, impactful is just the bear-proof cans and and dumpsters. And so the FWC, we know, has been working uh, with municipalities, as many groups have, to really um, implement these and educate and get them to put them in place because we know they work. I mean, Seminole County is a great example. They've done incredible work, and they have a lot of bears. So it's really just, you know, educating people about trash management. And if you have a neighborhood and half the people have bear-proof cans and the other half don't, that's not going to work. Everybody needs to have the cans because then they'll just be drawn, you know, to every other house. That doesn't make sense. So everybody needs to have the bear proof cans it's safe for the bears it's safer for the people it's the way it should be but it's not the bear's fault if we're drawing them out with these um you know deliciously smelling trash cans so um but we work very hard on that and it's it's really a trash management issue and also to conserve wildlife that's a that's a big thing in Florida. with so many people moving here the development is on the rise it's just to be mindful of let's Try to keep, you know, some of the conservation easements and to, to keep some of the wildlife areas because that's that's where they live. They need that to live.
1: Absolutely, and um, you know, our trash cans are their their grocery store and their favorite grocery store mm-hmm. because it's uh, yeah. e- easy pickings, right? Um, that's right. Yeah. So I, I sure. am noticing that uh, right now local governments in Florida have until August 1st to apply for grants that are intended to mm-hmm. reduce bear-human conflicts. And there's $500,000 available in grants for communities um, under the Bear Wise right. Ordinances um, that are requiring mm-hmm. residents and businesses to um, to get bear-proof trash containers. And uh, there's some good mm-hmm. ones out there. I know they're not cheap, but um,
0: with these grants, um, I think it's probably worth mm-hmm. it. And it is worth it. And um, also with the requirement that that uh, county or city have some kind of a trash ordinance is very smart uh, on the FWC's part to put that in place. So it's motivation for these municipalities to put an ordinance in place. It's just basic. It's nothing, you know, that much work for anybody. It's just common sense. And it's also safer. So they so we applaud them for their work. um, And they've been working a lot on that to put those, you know, requirements and yes, you know, apply for grants because it can also just introduce different areas of different neighborhoods to the realities and the, um, you know, and the bear proof cans and how much they work and people will then respond and, and you know, by their own or different homeowners associations will, will head in that direction. So it's really can be kind of catchy, so to speak. So good for them for doing that.
1: Absolutely. So two things more I want to talk about real quick before we run out of time, but um, it's hurricane season. And um, so I think it's important that everybody have a disaster preparedness kit put together in case you have to leave with your pet, Um, have a crate available with leashes and medical records and food and um, kitty litter boxes and all, everything that your pets are going to need so that if you have to leave in a big hurry, that you're not racing around at the last minute trying to find that, infor- that um, stuff for them and, um, or maybe just keep it mm-hmm. in your car ready to go.
0: Right, right. Very good point. And if you've got an elderly neighbor or someone, you know, once you've got your stuff squared away, it's always good to reach out and, and help um, making sure that they're safe and have a plan and, and with, with their animals. That's our, our big messaging. One of our big uh, messaging points is, don't leave. If it's not safe for you, it's not safe for your animals. So don't leave them. Um, we know we don't. Not saying people need to be in harm's way, but take them with you and ask for help ahead of time with your planning, should you need it. But it's not okay to leave them in harm's way. If you're leaving, there's a reason they need to go with you. So that's um, we learned. We learned a lot after Irma, and I worked heavily um, with, with the state. Uh, we, we had a very big role um, for all animals. Again. Uh, dogs and cats, of course, but also with um large animals getting food in and resources and to help uh, the large animals that were you know still in place in the farms and, and such in, in central Florida and actually all over, but in the more rural areas.
1: Yeah, large animals are an even bigger challenge. Um, I know when we have our yeah. hurricanes, I'm always um, just terrified for my horses. Um, you know, I want to bring them in the house, which my husband has not agreed <laughs> yeah. to do yet. Right. <laughs> Um, I laugh, but actually one of my friends, um, actually they did put plywood down and then covered it with plastic and brought their horses in the house. Um, I can't imagine doing that, but, uh, (laughs) that's what they did. And that's the way they felt comfortable with their horses. Um, let's talk to about, um, puppy mills a little bit. Um, what in the world is a puppy mill?
0: Oh wow! A puppy mill is a mass breeding. Uh, it's an organization. It's a business that has little or no regard for the welfare of the animals, but just pumping out as many puppies as possible for profit. It's a, it's a mill, right? They just pump them out, cycle them out. So it's mass uh, warehouse-style breeding, and it's incredibly inhumane. Talk about uh, if people they, you know, people saw and went inside a puppy mill warehouse or puppy mill um, industry they would be horrifying. It's very, very sad. And so the, the designer pups, the cute little designer pups that we see in stores, many times come from a puppy mill. Florida is not, doesn't have so many mills in our state, but we're the number one state for the importation of puppies from puppy mills. And so that that alone is a is a big issue. And um, there have been so many retail sales bans, local ordinances passed, uh, 62, I believe, on um, city and county level banning the retail sales pets, because we know that the retail sale, many or most come from a puppy mill situation. Now, we're not talking about the responsible breeder who has them in their home, but that's entirely different. We're talking about the mass breeding. And so the stores, the retail sales, uh, that they often come from a different state, from a puppy mill. And people truly have no idea. And many are duped into thinking it came from a responsible breeder down the street or just outside of town at the farm. No, no, they came from like seven states away from a mass breeding operation. And uh, some people erroneously think, Oh, well, I have to save this puppy, get him out of the store. Well, you're just putting money in the in the pockets of, of the puppy mill industry. And um, and really think of the parents. So it's a huge issue for us. So we had a bill a couple of years ago that was a breeder disclosure bill. It didn't it didn't pass, but what we're we're working on that issue, just the um, awareness of people who care and, and who get tricked into thinking this came from a responsible breeder when they when their animal didn't. And then there are all sorts of health issues and costs and that down that whole road. But uh, what we're dealing with now more commonly is a preemption issue that would take away some of these really good ordinances. And we're, we're fighting that hard because they have been passed. And that for a good reason, local advocates have worked to pass these retail sales bans, and we applaud them. Uh, we'll be working on that in the legislature again to, uh, fight uh, and stop these uh, some of these preemption preemption bills
1: well and with 62 and let's just say that's the right number local ordinances banning um, the retail sale mm-hmm. of um, puppies um, mm-hmm. obviously the the voters of 62 of our right. counties have spoken and um, they clearly don't want um, puppies sold in stores um, Right. And, I I don't know I I just think it's, it's incredibly sad that um, we don't know more about some of the cruelty that exists right under our noses.
0: Right, it's so true. It's so true. People don't realize that. I mean, you know, we promote pet adoption anyway. You know, and then you know, responsible breeders are not what we're talking about in terms of puppy mills. But just go to your shelter, go to a rescue group, go to a humane society. There's so many, I mean, I can't imagine why anyone would ever go anywhere else, but adoption is the best and, and the most wonderful option. Um, but if people must, then, you know, uh, you know, a buy, then a responsible breeder, but for heaven's sakes, there's no reason in the world why anyone should support uh, the retail sale, the, the cute puppy in the window at the store, because that is truly supporting puppy mills and and people don't see it. But it is so cruel. I mean, we have a huge puppy mill uh, you know, department it's on our website and many others about the, um, the sadness. The, and when we do our, we talk a lot, some about this in our law enforcement trainings that we do all over the state, where we have a trainer come in and teach for free, teach law enforcement, um, and because we get a lot of questions about it. And so we clarify that we don't, we have some mills here, but not so many. The biggest problem is really just the importation and the stores, and mostly South Florida. We don't have any in Tallahassee, but um, but there have been some in the past, but primarily in South Florida. And it's just people not knowing. So back to that whole education uh, theme that we've been talking about a lot. It's it's a it's a big theme. It's really uh, it's a big one, and most people wouldn't want to support a puppy mill, but they may not know any better. And so that's our job, is to uh, all of our jobs as animal lovers, to you know promote pet adoption and the realities of puppy mills and discourage anybody from, from buying a pet at a retail establishment.
1: Well, and why pay thousands of dollars for a designer dog when you can find that exact same dog at um, a local rescue or your local shelter um, and hopefully do somebody a good turn? Because we say that every time you adopt a dog, it saves two dogs um, because it allows room for another dog um, that may need a home. Um, My dad, uh, his favorite saying was, until there are none adopt one. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, I like that. Yeah, Good. and I have, you know, kind of stolen that as my own mantra um because I have a household full of dogs and they're all adopted and um and several of them are purebreds and several of them are not, but I really don't care. Um because right. I love right. all dogs and um and yet This is a fun fact that people should know. 25% of dogs in shelters are purebred animals. Um, So don't think you can't get a purebred animal um, from a shelter. Certainly um, from a rescue, a breed rescue, um, you can find what you're looking for. Um, One of my favorite places to shop, PetFinder.com. Right. (laughs) People like Good. to shop on that's Amazon. Great. I like to shop on Petfinder, <laughs> which might explain <laughs> well, why great. I have eight dogs um, and three cats
0: and three horses. Wow. Well, I, I have a, a household, full, but uh, I always have at least a few foster dogs, which I, I love or cats, but fostering is, is fabulous and it, it saves a life and you can get to know them better and then help promote them to an adopter because you, you've spent more time with them. So you know them a little bit better and it's, it is the best, uh, best, best program. So I, I'm a huge supporter of uh, foster programs. And Absolutely. you have to, you know, find the right home. You don't have to keep them all because then you can't be a foster mom anymore. But you well, find them good homes and it's a beautiful thing. That's exactly right.
1: And I um, currently have a foster in my house as well. And uh, he is available for adoption effective tomorrow. He's being neutered <laughs> today and he is a gorgeous four to five year old red and white uh Welsh corgi, one of the
0: Queen's dogs. Oh wow.
1: And uh um, wow. I love corgis. They're um they're incredible little dogs. I've had several that were my personal pets and and now I like to foster them. Um but you're right. I I have I've been fostering now for about two years and um I'm happy to say I'm not a failed foster yet.
0: Good for you. That's so, fabulous.
1: <laughs> I do like um having them in my home and visiting and finding them the perfect home and um, right. having them go on to um, their new loving family and then having the opportunity to open my door to um somebody else for who the next, right? right.
0: That's right. It.
1: My little Jackson that I have right now, he was found in Jacksonville, hence his name, Jackson. And um, one thing that makes him super duper cute is he is missing an ear. Somewhere in his journey, um, he had his ear chewed off. So um, just makes him that much cuter.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes. And he probably doesn't even know or care. He's probably just a happy guy.
1: He is a very happy guy and he likes to yodel and uh, tell you about how happy he is. So um, if anyone's listening and you love corgis like I do, um, call me, um, reach out to me on uh, All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Facebook. You can also find me at on Twitter at Kids and Fur Coats. Um, please reach out to uh, Kate through the HSUS. Um, if you are interested in helping with the Greyhound issue here in Florida, you can also visit protectdogs.org um, and make a donation or sign up to help us with the grassroots campaign. Kate, Thank you. Um, I wish I had oh, your energy you. for all the things that you're doing. Um, Kate and I will be working together this year, though. I am the Yay! new. Yay! I'm the new chair of the Florida Bar Animal Law Section. Um, so, i so excited. I know. It's going to be a great year. There's so many cool things happening in Florida this year, and um, I can't wait to work side-by-side with all of the fabulous people who are working to protect our Florida animals. Um, Yay. Kate, Thank we, you. We wish so you much. nothing but success in um, your endeavors and your constant education of people about um, things they don't know about animals.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a real inspiration to to talk with you and spend this time. And I am so excited to be working with you uh, going forward. So, thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Kate. And I'll say my favorite thing: until there are none, please adopt one. We will be here Monday at three o'clock. And until then, happy tails.
0: Thank you for joining us on Petwill Radio. Visit PetwillRadio.com for updates on shows links to previous shows inspirational stories videos and more until next time take care